Well, good morning. Um, my name's Karen Gallagher, and I'm a member here at FPC, and it feels good to be back together after the comings and goings of the summer, and an extra welcome if you're here for the first time. So, Chris has said, we're in the middle of our four-week service called Your Move, and we're exploring how to grow spiritually. Every human being has that spiritual dimension. And so whether you've been a Christian for many years and you want to go deeper, or whether you don't believe at all, but maybe it's a little bit intriguing, or you're somewhere in between, you're exploring faith, then you're in the right place this morning. As Chris said at the start of the series, we all want to become the best version of ourselves. But that doesn't just happen with age. Have you noticed that us older people aren't always more mature? And it doesn't just happen overnight or with good intentions. It takes hard work and dedication to become the best that you can be. So at any stage of life, you and I can choose whether we're going to push forward and develop our faith or whether we're going to take a back seat. It's your decision. It's your move. So far, we've looked together at stepping out. We step closer to God by stepping out, by inviting our friends and family so that they can discover God for themselves. And then we looked at stepping beyond. We step closer to God by releasing some of our resources and our money to Him. And someone responded to, to that by making cakes this morning and offer, offering them to us today um, to raise money for charity. A wonderful response uh, to that. So if you're interested, you can catch up on either of those talks. Um, they're on fbcnext.com and you can click on catch up. Next week, to finish the series, we're going to look together at stepping in. We grow closer to God in the context of community, so in smaller groups. But today, we're thinking about stepping up or volunteering. When I first came to FBC in 1996, there was one member of staff and a few hardworking volunteers. I think we were asked to lead the youth group the very first week we got there. And then we took just three young people with us on our first youth trip away. It gives you a picture of the size of our church then. There wasn't much chance of sitting back and filling a pew. Things didn't happen unless everyone pitched in. Well, things have changed a bit since then. FBC now has six full-time and 23 part-time staff members. And that's fantastic. So I hope you weren't pounced on uh, the first week you got here and with a request to lead a new group. But these days, our church has loads more under 18s, more groups, two services, and more community involvement. So though it may seem like there are lots of people busy serving, the opportunities to serve are even greater than before. Well, many of you I know are already part of FBC. You help out on a Sunday or during the week. And I hope you were here at the special volunteer service in July to hear that big thank you from the people that we serve. We celebrated all the time and energy that you invest in other people. I hope that this morning will reinforce your desire to keep going in that. You've probably already discovered that the most satisfying moments in life will be found in serving other people. 
But some of you, I know, are having second thoughts about your commitment to volunteer. You wanted the summer break to continue. I know how you feel. It's hard in September taking up those extra responsibilities. Or maybe you're considering getting involved, but you're worried about having enough time. You're concerned about how it might impact your busy week, the effect on your family and on your work, or even on your career if you take on additional things. So why should you and I give up our time? It's precious and it's limited. We could be earning, contributing to the family budget, or doing something fun, something more relaxing. Why should we tie ourselves down to a regular commitment? At the end of the day, what's in it for you and for me? Well, there might also be some of you who think you don't have much to offer. Everyone else seems to be so talented. Maybe you think you're too old to help or too young, or you have no experience or skills, or your health is not great. So you assume you're not wanted. What could you possibly do? Well, to help us answer those questions this morning, we're going to look at part of an ancient letter written by an early church leader called Paul. Although he was initially violently opposed to Jesus' followers, Paul became a Christian himself quite dramatically. But that's another story. He then went on to found a new church in Corinth, in Greece, around AD 50. Three years after that, he wrote a letter to those friends in Corinth. And we have a copy. Part of the letter looks at volunteering and serving within a church context. So you may have experience of helping out in a club or in a charity. But in a church, there's an extra dimension. And it's interesting for all of us to look at whether we're a follower of Jesus or not, to see what that difference is. So in chapter 12 of that letter... Paul says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Lord, the one that we willingly submit to. He's the boss. Christians follow in the footsteps of Jesus, imitating his life. A life that served the individuals that he met. A life that served mankind as a whole a life that held nothing back. Serving or volunteering is a key part of our discipleship journey. It will help us to grow our faith, especially if we step just a bit outside our comfort zone, beyond what we find easy. Because that way, when we're stretched just a little bit, we're more likely to rely on God. We're more likely to pray and ask for divine help so when you're thinking, this is too difficult, I can't do this without, without you, God, that allows God to step in, and your faith will grow as he enables you. But we're all going to be serving in different ways, because we have different personalities and experiences. We are suited to different things. But what spirit are we talking about here? It, it's got a capital S, so it's the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What gifts are we talking about? Well, God himself, the Holy Spirit, in addition to our talents and skills, gives each of his followers one or more spiritual gifts to be used 
to serve others. And we're going to talk about those gifts uh, in, a, in a little bit later. But the most satisfying moments in life will be found when we use those unique gifts to serve others. Paul then uses an illustration to help us understand what the church is like. Anyone study biology? I'm afraid I didn't. Paul says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Our biology students groan over the names of all the thousands of different cells and body parts, each with a different function to enable the body as a unit to live. In another letter, Paul describes Jesus as the head of that body, the church. So the church is not the building or the institution that's developed historically. It is the living, breathing people who follow Jesus. Millions of individuals around the world today, although they're scattered, Paul says they are like the various parts of one human body. So what connects these people of different color and culture and race? What makes them the body of Christ and not just another club? Paul says, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even though, so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So the Holy Spirit, we know that that's God himself, fills us, regenerates us, brings new spiritual life to every person who comes to faith in Jesus. Great news, but that's not all. He goes on to transform us as we cooperate with him throughout our lives. Baptism in water is the outward sign of the spiritual reality that is going on inside us. All human beings share a common humanity. We were created in God's image, but when the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us, we become part of something supernatural. We're connected to Jesus, and through him, we're connected to other believers around the world and across the ages. So you may not realize it, but when you believe, you become part of a living organism, the body of Christ, what, whatever your culture or ethnic or so, social background. But though we're connected, we're not identical. We get to keep uh, our personality, our character traits, although God is changing us, and we get to, we've got our God-given abilities. Plus, the Spirit gives every follower of Jesus that spiritual gift. Some are more spectacular or unusual than others. It seems that in Corinth, those who had been given the more unusual dramatic gifts were getting all the attention, all the glory. And the rest, the others, felt like they were second-class Christians. They felt they didn't quite belong. Paul uses the illustration of the body to explain that this is not right. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So everyone's unique. We're made differently. We've got diverse strengths and interests, and that's how God planned it. God has unique plans for each of our lives. He invented diversity. So if you feel that you're somehow a bit different from the people you've met at FBC so far, you may be exactly who God has planned to complete the body here. We need you. God's design is for us to be together. We're not to exist in isolation. He's placed us together for a reason. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So just like the human body needs diversity, different cells to work effectively, so the members of Jesus' body have diverse gifts. We're not clones. God has placed you and me us together at this moment in history to fulfill his purpose in this place. In isolation, you and I will achieve little. We'll be like body parts scattered around, not much use, wasted. It's a bit of a gruesome picture. The heart may be pumping away, but if it's not connected to anything, it's ineffective. The eye might be seeing, but if the messages are not being relayed by those nerves to the brain, it's useless. But working together, as God designed us to, each person fulfilling their role, each person taking their place, useful and necessary, we form one strong, powerful body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Take the band this morning. There's probably a few of us who'd aspire to sing or play like that, including me. Wouldn't it be great if we were all musicians? There would be so much music here. But wait, if we were all artsy, creative types, who would be doing the technical stuff with the microphones and pro presenter? And who's, who would have the muscle to set up all the chairs? Who's got the admin skills to plan the rota, the commitment to get here at seven in the morning to open up? Who's got the love and patience for the children? Who would balance the books? If we were all musicians, there would be no smiley faces welcoming us at the door. No prayer support, no coffee. We need each other with our own unique personality and skill set just to do Sunday mornings, never mind the rest of the week. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. So our liver and kidney and gallbladder are not pretty, but our bodies could not function without these essential parts. So we need to give special honor to those who have so-called ordinary gifts. Are you good at encouraging, at showing mercy, at serving, at admin, numbers, paperwork, helping, hospitality? 
Did anyone tell you you are indispensable? Did anyone mention that as a church, we can't do without you? And if God has given you a special gift or you have a leadership position, that's great. Make sure that you use your gifts for the good of the people around you, for the rest of us. And that's an extra responsibility. But watch out in case you think your own gift is exclusively valuable or more important than other people's because pride could prevent your gift from being effective. Each of us needs the others. We're mutually dependent. Our gifts have come from the same source, the Spirit. We didn't earn them or deserve them because they're a gift. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. God made each of us as we are uniquely gifted, and he considers all of us to be of equal value. He's placed us together specially, so his heart breaks when there is division or quarreling. If we really value those around us as much as we do ourselves, then there's no place for envy. There's also no place for looking down on other people because each one is valuable. So we rejoice when someone new joins our team and does it well, maybe even do it better than us. We don't need to feel envious because they are God's precious gift to the church, just as we are. And if one of us is hurting or struggling, then we are there to support one another. Paul continues, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So everyone who believes in Jesus is part of this body. So what happens then if I am a follower of Jesus, but I decide I don't want to be actively involved in church life? I'm just going to take a back seat and turn up on Sundays. Well, that may be appropriate for a season, depending on the circumstances of your life. It might be a time of rest, a time of recovery. But if I do that and it's prolonged, what effect is it going to have on the church? The body is deprived of my contribution, my gift, of all that I uniquely have to offer. But the body still has to carry me around an ineffective, non-functioning limb or organ or cell. So the body carries on, but it's going to be less effective. Other parts of the body have to work harder to compensate for the parts that aren't working as they were designed to. And me, well, I'm less likely to grow spiritually if I'm not serving. If I'm not using my gift, I'm not going to develop. I'm also less likely to feel that I belong if I'm not part of a team, so I can feel isolated. So what sort of gifts is Paul talking about here? Well, he mentions some specifically. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. That's people who plant new ministries or who are going to new places. Secondly, prophets, those who speak truth into a situation. Third, teachers, 
then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Now that means speaking different languages or a language of prayer and worship. Elsewhere in the Bible, many spiritual gifts are listed. So listen up. Uh, one of these could be yours. Encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy, serving, teaching, administration, discernment, faith, helping, knowledge, wisdom, evangelism, being a pastor, hospitality. Are we all given the same gift? Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? Tell us what those tongues mean. No. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. You are one of a kind. You've been given your own temperament, your passions, things that get you excited, and the gifts that you have. So it's not wrong to want more of the Spirit's presence in your life. It's not wrong to want a gift that will bless the church and those around you. In fact, Paul says, eagerly desire them. Ask God for them. But there's no place for envy and we don't get to reject the gift that God has given us. We don't get to trade it in or ask him for a swap. We look instead for opportunities to use all that we are, all that we have that God's given us, including our time, to coordinate with other parts of the body. And then together, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in the places that we live and work. Now you, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So God has placed you and me, each with our unique combination of gifts and skills and personality and experience, together at this moment in history to fulfill his purpose in this place. So as you and I serve, we are part of his plan for humanity, his plan to bless people. But he knows that serving others will actually be a blessing to us too as we serve. God knew all about the positive benefits of volunteering on a regular basis long before scientific studies confirmed it. This benefit is for all who volunteer, whether they follow Jesus or not. He designed us so that a part of our brain lights up the biochemistry, I think, when we help others that we truly care about. So as long as we're not just doing it out of obligation or a sense of duty, those feel-good chemicals are released and we will feel happier and we'll also feel less stressed. God knew that volunteering would help take our mind off our own pain. It actually reduces our pain levels. God planned that volunteering regularly would lower our blood pressure reduce mild depression, and even add years to our lifespan. So instead of adding to your stress, which is what we might fear, serving can actually improve your life, as well as positively impacting those you're helping. So if you want to create a happy, meaningful, and rewarding life for yourself, then find a place to serve. 
the most satisfying moments in your life will happen when you serve others. Jesus is the one who led the way for us in living a life that was focused on the needs of those around him. He lived to serve. And although his life was relatively short, he knew the satisfaction that comes from a life of service. Almost his last words as he died that painful death at the age of 33 were, it is finished. His purpose completed his unique work of service done. So if you want to experience the satisfaction that comes from a life of service, if you're a part of the family here and you want to feel connected at FPC, to feel that you belong, if you want to grow your faith, I encourage you now to take your place in the body, to join one of the teams that serve. If you're not serving, start. Check out the possibilities at the Next Steps area or go to fbcnext.com and click on Join the FBC All-Stars. I had to try it. It is not a basketball team, so you're safe to go and have a look there. Have a think about what you're good at, what you're interested in. You might need to try a couple of things before you find the right fit, the best fit for you. But when you find the right place to serve, I can say from experience that it helps give your week purpose. It helps give your life purpose. It's a real boost to know that you are part of God's plan to bless others. Speaking personally, the most satisfying times of my life have been when I served the most. It wasn't always easy, it wasn't always fun, but it was always meaningful and rewarding. So if you're not serving yet, it's a good time now to get started. It could be the best thing that you've ever done with your time. And if you're serving a little, I wonder if it has given you a taste for what more you could do. As you look back, can you see how it has helped you to grow and feel that you belong? Maybe it's time to speak to your team leader about serving just a bit more or taking on a new role. And if you're serving a lot, well done. Keep going. The body of Christ is able to bless people in this community because of your commitment. Maybe you could help encourage others to serve alongside you and train up the next generation. It was Albert Schweitzer who said, the only really happy people are those who have learned how to serve. Schweitzer was a theologian, a successful musician, a writer, and a philosopher who became a doctor so he could establish a hospital in a small town in Africa, 14 days by raft from the nearest port in those days. He spent 42 years of his life serving there. Schweitzer learned how to serve. My favorite example of service from this morning is the young woman who set up the coffee for us there with her heavy more than a toddler, small child strapped to her back. A wonderful picture of service. I wonder, is it time that you learned how to serve? 23 years ago, when I came to Finch, I could not have imagined all that God would do through the many gifted people that have served in different teams, in different ways, 
to bless the community here. Although we got things wrong sometimes, it's mind-blowing what God has done. I've seen the body working together, united by the Spirit, each contributing, supporting one another as they serve. And lives have been transformed. I can only wonder at how God will transform this community through you and I in the next year if we all step up and work together. It's your move. Well, we're going to hear now one person's story of how she was helped by other people in the church, and then she stepped up to help out herself. We heard it before on Volunteer Sunday. I don't know if Emma knows this. I'm looking forward to hearing Emma's story again.